So it was Palm Sunday, but because of a sore throat, five-year-old Sammy stayed home from church with a babysitter. When the family returned home, they were carrying several palm fronds. Of course, Sammy had to ask, what were they and what were they for? Well, people held them over Jesus' head as he walked by, his father responded. Oh, man, Sammy complained. Wouldn't you just know it? The one Sunday I don't go and Jesus shows up. <laughs> so Palm Sunday, so what? This is our question for today as we make our way through a preaching series of big questions. So really, why do we observe Palm Sunday and what do the events of this day really mean, both theologically and personally? Traditionally, for us, Palm Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week as we start to reflect on the history of the events to come, the Last Supper in the Upper Room, the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' arrest and trial, his crucifixion on Good Friday. We have a lot going on in the life of the church this week, and possibly a lot going on in our personal lives and at home this week as well. Perhaps, like the Israelites of old, you too are making preparations for the festivities ahead. Maybe you're hosting Easter dinner or hosting out-of-town guests. Maybe, maybe you're coloring Easter eggs with the kids or grandkids. Or maybe you're checking out Pinterest for creative things to do with jelly beans and last year's peeps. <laughs> or maybe the arrival of Palm Sunday just serves as a reminder that maybe we've got a week to get our acts together and our house is in order before the real holiday of Easter arrives. And though it really is considered a high holy day in the church, maybe it just doesn't have the same status in our hearts. Palm Sunday, so what? Let's imagine for a moment the scene and what it might have been like to be a witness to that day. Perhaps you can picture the landscape surrounding the city of Jerusalem, the dusty streets, the stone walls. It's the week of Passover where Jews from all over Israel and Judea have descended upon Jerusalem. So it's crowded and busy. Lots of activity as people are making their way to the temple to offer their sacrifices as they are making preparations for the celebration of the week ahead. From the disciples' perspective, this day wasn't all that out of the ordinary. As far as the disciples knew, they were simply heading to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, just like they had done for most of their lives. Because as good, Torah-observant Jews, that's what you do. You go to Jerusalem and to the temple to observe this holiday. And it also wasn't too unusual to have crowds of people around following Jesus, praising and shouting his name and just wanting to get close to him, wanting to touch him, to hear what he might have to say. Even the fact that Jesus asked a few of them to go borrow a donkey wasn't too unusual either. After being with him for three years, they were kind of used to just doing what he asked, even if it did seem a little strange at times. Sure, Jesus, we'll become unemployed so we can wander around Israel with you for a few years. We'll feed the masses with this kid's lunch. Why not? You want me to walk on water? Okay. 
Come on, John, Jesus just asked us to go steal a donkey. Let's go. <laughs> Palm Sunday. So what? So to our disciple friends, this really was just an ordinary day. But to Jesus, he was following the path that was laid out for him long before his birth. And he was in the home stretch to fulfilling his purpose as Emmanuel, God with us. So everything Jesus said and did on this day more than 2,000 years ago was deliberate. His actions and his words had meaning because he was fulfilling prophecy and he knew it. Scholars have determined that Jesus fulfilled more than four dozen major prophecies, all of which were written at a minimum of three centuries before he even walked the earth. And these are referred to as the Messianic prophecies, those things that foretold the coming of the Messiah. Just one example comes from the prophet Zechariah, and he writes this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, daughter of Jerusalem! See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So when the disciples went to go get the donkey for Jesus, they thought they were merely fulfilling a request when Jesus had really sent them off to fulfill a prophecy. At the end of today's worship service, we will be hearing a reading from Psalm 22, a psalm written by King David. King David was an ancestor of Jesus because, again, it fulfills prophecy. God had promised the Messiah would come from the line of David, and that is why we sometimes hear of Jesus being referred to as the son of David. So King David writes this, Evil men have pierced my hands and my feet. Sounds a lot like crucifixion, doesn't it? But guess what? King David wrote these words more than 300 years before crucifixion was even a thing. Prophecy fulfilled. Mathematics professor Dr. Peter Stoner calculated the odds of any human being in history fulfilling these messianic prophecies. And after using very conservative estimates, he concluded that the odds of any human being fulfilling 48 of them would be a chance in a trillion, 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 trillion. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, the colt, the foal of a donkey. Palm Sunday, so what? Now imagine for a moment that you are a first century Israelite and you are living under the thumb of Rome. Now it is somewhat nice to have a Roman garrison residing in your town because they do offer you protection from your enemies. However, that protection comes at a price and that price is paid in the form of exorbitant taxes, all of which end up in Caesar's pocket. And on your high holy days like Passover, you have to ask for permission from Rome to celebrate it. They keep your accoutrements and vestments of worship under lock and key in a place they call the Praetorium. And it serves as a reminder as to who truly has control over the region and your life. And the Israelites were tired of having to live this way. They were ready for God's promised Messiah to reveal himself 
and to conquer Rome for all time. They were ready for their hero to come riding through the streets on a strong and fearsome war horse, not a gentle, meager donkey. But you see, they didn't have a full grasp on what the Messiah's true purpose was. After all, any great warrior can mount an army and defeat another, yet the victory will be short-lived. Evil powers like Rome will arise again and again throughout history, and we have seen it happen over the centuries. So a warrior king will abolish for a moment, but a savior king, like Jesus Christ, abolishes for eternity. Palm Sunday, so what? Now as best you can, imagine for a moment that you're Jesus, and it is Sunday before Passover, and since you are the Son of God, you know exactly what this week has in store for you. Honestly, there really is no way for any of us to fully grasp what Jesus was thinking and feeling at that time. However, reflect for a moment on those times in your life when you have something coming your way, something on the calendar that you just are not looking forward to, but there is no way to avoid it. Perhaps you have an impending surgery with a long recovery time. Or maybe you have a meeting with your boss coming up and you know the subject matter is going to be difficult. Maybe you have a presentation to give before a large audience and public speaking just isn't your thing. Perhaps you have to face a family member at your next family gathering with whom you struggle and you just don't get along. I know we all can relate to one of these examples and we all can recognize that feeling of nervous anticipation. We can feel the flopping of our stomachs, and we can sense the strength leaving our arms and legs. We know the physical response to stuff that we just don't want to do. I'm thinking Jesus had to have felt all of these same sensations as well as he thought about the events on his calendar in the week ahead. After all, he was fully human, and that is something remarkable about our God, that he deliberately put himself in these positions of angst and pain and nervousness, that he deliberately exposed himself to the difficulties of being a human being all for the sake of love. Also that he could say to us, I get it. I know what you are going through. I have felt these same things. Jesus knows. He knows us. He knows what it's like to be us. And on that Palm Sunday, so many years ago, as he made his way into Jerusalem for the last time, he was nervous and anxious for the events of the week ahead, much like we can be. Palm Sunday. So what? Now finally, let's take a moment and imagine ourselves to be lining that ancient parade route and Jesus is passing by. Do you recognize who he is? Remember, this is the first century and there was no Facebook, no cameras, not a lot of paper and pencils, so no one was really ever having their portraits drawn. And unless you were Caesar and someone sculpted your likeness, there was nothing that would help you recognize who someone was based on sight. 
That's why Judas was so important in the betrayal. They knew who Jesus was. They didn't recognize him. They wouldn't recognize him in a crowd. They needed Judas to point out who exactly Jesus Christ was. Jesus is passing by. Do you know who he is? Have you heard about his teachings and healings? Do you believe the people around you who say that he is the Messiah? Or do you perhaps just know in your gut who he is because the Holy Spirit is active and powerful? Will you be joining your voice in the throngs of others who are giving him pure praise because you know in your hearts that he is worthy? Or will you be joining your voice in the throng of others simply because everyone else is doing it? So why shouldn't you? And everything else that happens this Holy Week with all of the major players from Scripture is a microcosm of our humanity and is a reflection of our own relationship with Christ. It's easy to give praise to God when everyone else around you is doing it. And it's easy to cry for crucifixion when everyone else around you is doing it. How many times in our lives do we go from praise to persecution, often in the same week or in the same day or in the same breath? How often do our lips say one thing, but our actions may say another? Maybe we sing our hymns on Sunday, then turn around and speak ill will of our brothers and sisters by Monday. Maybe we say our prayers on Sunday and then gossip about a neighbor on Tuesday. Maybe we give our tithes on Sunday, then cheat a friend by Wednesday. Maybe we praise God on Sunday and betray him by Thursday. Maybe we acknowledge his presence in our lives on Sunday and deny and abandon him by Friday. Palm Sunday. So what? Palm Sunday is a way for us to start focusing on the week ahead to consider the heart and mind of Jesus as a human being and to reflect on his actions as a savior. It's a way for us to consider Jesus' humanity and how his love for us overpowered any other human emotion that he may have been experiencing. Jesus knew he only had a few days left to teach and to preach. Jesus knew his best friends would hurt him Jesus knew an excruciating death was coming. Jesus knew the shouts of adoration and praise would soon turn to shouts of condemnation. Yet he entered the city gates anyway. He accepted the praise for what it was anyway. He accepted his fate anyway. Palm Sunday is also a way for us to consider our own heart and mind when it comes to Jesus and how we treat others and subsequently him. How do we keep our praises from slipping into shouts of crucify? It's also a way for us to realize that Jesus, too, experienced everything in this life that we experience in ours. Everything from joy to pain. Jesus can be trusted to know what you are facing, to relate to how you feel. We have a Savior who is not 
immune to the struggles of life. And Palm Sunday shows us that God's word can be trusted, that the ancient prophecies of the Messiah were manifested in the life and death of Jesus Christ and the events of Palm Sunday was just one of many prophecies fulfilled. So my friends, lift your voices in praise this day to the one true king of the universe who comes to you humble and righteous and riding on a donkey. Lift your voice in praise to our Lord and Savior who will love us anyway, even after we condemn him to death. Like the pro prophetic voice of the psalmist wrote, with bows in hand, join in the festal procession. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Palm Sunday, that's what. Amen.